Jared, I pray that our eyes would be open for the gifts you want to give us out of your word. Lord, as we think about anxiety, which is not necessarily a super fun topic to dwell on, God, I pray that you might give us truth that will help us to experience your abundance, your life, and your freedom in new ways. Might you speak through Seth as he shares the word to our hearts. Might our hearts be receptive to what you want to communicate to us through your spirit this morning. And we also just pray for the time afterwards as we gather together to share a meal downstairs that you'd bless that meal, use it in our bodies, and bless the people who served it. And I pray that you would uh, bless the spirit of fellowship that happens as we share a meal together. Pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Like Pat said, my name is Seth Dorman, and I'm on the leadership team, and I'm excited to be here with you uh, sharing the message this morning. So normal isn't working. And what we're looking at with this is where we are in our society, at our point in history, with our culture, looking at different areas of our life and say, what's normal? What's normal in this area of our life? So in other words, if we don't think about it, if we don't kind of try to have some strategic planning with these areas of our life, how will we naturally fall into the flow of our society and culture? And then saying, is that working? And looking at these, each of these different areas and say, is this working for our lives? Or is it leading us down a path that's, that's not full of joy and full of peace? And the last couple of weeks, Pat started out the series two weeks ago, and he looked at our schedules. And what's normal with our schedules, naturally, is to pack our schedules full and really prioritize the urgent things, the things that come up that we're like, oh, yeah, we should do this, we should do this, rather than looking at our schedules and saying, what are priorities in our life that we want to make sure happen, the important things? And last week, he talked about friendships and how friendships oftentimes in our culture and society are just kind of superficial friendships, kind of getting to know each other a little bit, but lacking that deep friendship. And oftentimes, we look at friendship as, how can we get out of this friendship? And is this meeting my needs? Uh, And Pat encouraged us to turn our eyes around and look and say, how can I love and sharpen and encourage others? And this week, we're going to be talking about anxiety and asking the question, is my anxiety normal? So when we look at our, our society and our culture, what's normal when it comes to anxiety? Well, according to the National Institute of Health, 19% of those 18 and older will at some point in their lifetime experience clinical anxiety. 31% of adults, this is 18 and older, will experience anxiety at some point throughout their life. Teens, it's not better. So teenagers, 13 to 18-year-olds, it's 32% will have anxiety disorder during that time. If we look at the last few years and look at the impacts that COVID has had on mental health period, uh, but on anxiety, studies show it's at least up 25%, probably more than that, as far as anxiety disorder. If we look at spending in our country on anxiety over the decades, really interesting. Dramatic increase in spending over anxiety. This, this last year, the estimation was somewhere in the 50 billion, with a B, dollar range as a country on spending on anxiety. A huge issue 
in our culture, in our country. And despite all of that, Paul wrote the timeless words in Philippians 4.6 that said, do not be anxious in anything, right? The encouragement was do not be anxious in anything. How is that possible with all the things going on? How can, how can we be encouraged do not be anxious in anything? And yet, what does Paul mean when he says, I think we need to define it a little bit. What does he mean when he says do not be anxious in anything? So that Greek word for anxious is a present active tense verb, okay? So what Paul is saying there is, he's saying don't be ongoingly anxious. Don't live in a state of anxiety. Don't be perpetually anxious, okay? He's not saying don't have a temporary anxiety. Like, we all go through times where we have uh, a situation that makes our heart rate go up. Like, for example, uh, young men and women, when you go and you're going to invite somebody to the prom, do not be anxious in anything, right? There's a natural response that happens. Your heart rate starts to go a little bit. Some of us that have done that probably remember that. Maybe a little sweat drip here. Maybe you breathe a little heavier. That's temporary, right? Or a job interview, natural to get a little anxious. Coming up here on a Sunday morning, a little bit anxious. That's normal. But Paul is saying, don't live there. Don't live in a state where we are perpetually anxious. So anxiety. For me, anxiety has been something that has come up at different times in my life, sometimes more than other times. When I think about the, the biggest time when anxiety was impacting me, it was back when I was in college. I was 21 years old. I was here at UND. I was going into undergraduate nursing program is where I was. My wife and I, Terry, we had just gotten married. This was between my junior year and my senior year. And I think during that time, I just started to feel, and probably some of it was marriage, just because you start to feel the weight of responsibility more than just yourself. But I started to feel that weight. Like, just the decisions were coming up seemed to be bigger decisions. It wasn't just going through school. It was, okay, where am I? Are we going to stay in Grand Forks? Are we going to move somewhere else? What job should I have? You know, I was in nursing. You could pick a million different spots to work. I wanted to go back to grad school at the time. So it was, what would be best for this? Well, then there was trying to become one together in marriage. And uh, those of you that are married, you may remember that first year. It wasn't the easiest year in the world, so there was some weight in me trying to understand uh, how to relate to Terry and vice versa and some frustration there. There was bills coming in. There was car insurance, and there was uh, bills from school, and we were trying to make it debt-free through undergrad. So just all this kind of weight on my shoulders. And those of you that know me, I'm a pretty chill person. Like, I don't usually get too high. I don't usually get too low. Those people that know me best have described as just kind of steady, just kind of one foot in front of the other. So I felt like for me, probably like Pat, who had probably some denial, like anxiety is not something that can impact me because I'm just kind of, I'm just steady. One night during that time period, I was lying in bed, and all of a sudden I was like, I don't think I can get a full breath in. Like, I just feel kind of short of breath. I started thinking about it. I'm like, if I could just get my diaphragms to go down a little bit further, I think I could then get a full breath and I wouldn't be short of breath. And I was just lying in bed and I was short of breath and I was kind of wondering, what, what is going on? This is strange. And it didn't, didn't just pass 
but it slowly faded over several minutes. Happened again within that same week, lying in bed again, just, I just can't breathe. And then once you start thinking about something like that, like, when you think about an autonomic reflex in your body, like, the body just breathes, right? You don't have to think about, well, if you start thinking about breathe more, take a deeper breath, no, don't start doing this or you're all going to start having panic attacks. But as, as you think about trying to do it, it's like, it makes it even harder to breathe. I came across a meme which I think was pretty accurate how I was feeling. And this is, uh, I was going into healthcare, remember, so I knew just enough to be dangerous. What disease do you think you have? The mind's powerful, isn't it? Some of you can probably relate to this. The mind is powerful. I thought I could have a blood clot in my lung, I could have asthma, I could have lung cancer. I mean, I know somebody that had a cough and had lung cancer. The mind's powerful. It started to go. So I said, I need to figure out what's going on. I had no idea this could have anything to do with anxiety at the time. And so I went in, got a chest x-ray, they listened to my lungs, you're normal, okay? I don't feel normal. Um, about a month later, I said, I'm going to try somebody else. This guy must not know what he's talking about. And so I went in somewhere else and got an you know, exam, and they gave me an inhaler and said, you probably have asthma. And so I took an inhaler for a while, and that didn't help, and you better go see a specialist. So I saw a lung doctor, and they said, your lungs are normal, you're num normal. Well, you should probably go see the cardiologist, the heart doctor. That was the point. I was like, I've spent enough money on this. I'm exercising. This is not my heart. And when this happened for months, and as I reflected back on it, I realized this was all stress and weight on my shoulders, and it was anxiety, and it was coming out in physical symptoms in my body because of me not dealing with this stress and anxiety in my life. And oftentimes, what we can do when it comes to stress and anxiety is we want to escape it, right? We just want to get away. We want to not think about it. We just want to get away from it. And there's lots of ways we do that. Some of us go to social media and just kind of, I'm just going to scroll mindlessly. I don't want to don't deal with this weight and this stress. Some, it's binging, right? You can binge Netflix. You can binge all kinds of different things now, sports. Maybe it's packing our schedules so full of things that we don't have to sit in our mind and think about these things. For others, it can be escaping to other things to try to deal with it, like pornography or like substances, drugs or alcohol, to just try to escape all this weight and this stress that we're feeling. I want to look at a couple of different passages in the Bible about ways that I think the Bible teaches us that can help us deal with this issue. So we're going to start out in 1 Peter, and I'm going to look at a few verses in 1 Peter 5, so if you want to grab your Bibles, you're welcome. You can follow along behind me, or you can pull out your app. But 1 Peter 5, 5, this is the second part of the verse we're going to start with. It says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Dealing with our anxiety, you may say, wait a second, this doesn't have anything to do with anxiety. It doesn't say anything about anxiety here. Dealing with our anxiety really starts with humility. See, pride is us saying, I got this. I can do this. And it's a dangerous spot to be because it's us saying, God, 
I don't need you. I've got this under control. I don't need you in this area of my life. For some of us, that's the start of our anxiety. It's our pride, saying, God, I don't need you. Humility, though, says, you know what? I may not have this, but I know my God does, and I know my God will be with me through this. If I was going to ask you, what is your primary source of anxiety? So if each of you think about your own life, and you think about what causes me to worry, what causes me to be stressed, what keeps me, maybe a way to say is what keeps me awake at night? What is it? Think about that for a second. Usually this falls into three different categories. There's certainly more than this, but oftentimes it's in three different categories. It's our job or schooling, if you're in school. It's our health, maybe health of ourselves or health of a loved one. Or family and relationships. A lot of our stress and anxiety fall into one of those three different areas or maybe all three of them. And if we think about those three areas, think about what's, what's actually in our control in those areas. When you think about job or school, what's in your control? We can show up on time, right? We can, do, we can work really hard. We can try to be a good coworker, a good classmate to others. But ultimately, we don't have control of who our boss is or who your teacher is. You don't have control of if they look favorably on you or maybe the work environment. You don't have control over that. When we think about health, we can exercise more, right? We can eat healthy. Those are good things for our body, good things for our health. But you can exercise every day. And I'm in healthcare, I see this sometimes, where people are doing a great job taking care of their bodies, and they get sick, and they get disease. We can exercise every day, we can eat kale, and you can drip it in turmeric, and put flaxseed on the side, and um, you can drink alkaline water with it. Um, whatever the next new thing is that cures all disease, you can do. And ultimately, we still are going to battle illness and disease, and every one of us is going to die unless Jesus returns beforehand, right? We don't have control of it. Family and relationships. As a parent, this one hits close to my heart. You can do what Deuteronomy calls us to do, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and bring your kids along with you. Teach them God's word. Teach them how to follow God's word. Um, teach them as you're going and following the Lord. Talk about it from morning till night. You can do that, but it's not a guarantee. Your kids will grow up and follow the Lord. They have free wills. It's beyond our control. See, we have to understand what's in our control and what isn't. And what isn't in our control, we have to learn to release that to the Lord. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, 6, the next, the next verse. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty right hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Isn't that phrase hard? In due time? 
when we're going through something really, really challenging and feeling the weight of something huge on our shoulders, we really want that gone in our time, right? We want that gone now. God will lift us up in due time. In due time might be two days. It might be two years. It might be two decades. It might be when we take action and we do something about what we're facing. It might be meeting with a counselor. It might be meeting with a pastor. Maybe it's making a phone call to somebody that we're harboring bitterness toward and really angry at and asking forgiveness. Or maybe it's, maybe it's dealing with a sin area in our life that's just eating us away at the inside and confessing it before God, confessing it to others in due time. The next verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, then says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's easy to say, isn't it? Just cast it. Everybody, just cast your anxiety and we can go home now and it'll be gone. It's really easy to say, but it's how do we do that? How do we take that off of our shoulders? We're invited to cast our anxiety on the Lord. We need to learn not to carry burdens that we weren't designed to carry. And oftentimes, anxiety stems from us carrying something. We're carrying the weight of something on our shoulders and we're keeping it there that we weren't designed to carry it. You weren't designed to carry the burden if your kids follow the Lord. You weren't designed to carry the burden of a parent's divorce. You weren't designed to carry the burden of our country's freedom, our country's prosperity. We need to learn what burdens are ours to carry and which ones we need to cast on the Lord. So how do we do that? How do we take those steps to take our stress and anxiety and give it to God? I want to look at Jesus as an example. Anytime we can go to God's word and see how Jesus did something, I think that's a great way for us to learn how to deal with these things in our life. And I want to just set the stage a little bit for this passage. This is going to be in Matthew. It's Matthew 26, 36 through 42. And this is Jesus. He just had the Last Supper with the disciples, and he knows what's coming. Jesus knows that he's about ready to be taken captive. His time of, of being on this earth and going around and preaching and healing is coming to the end. And he's going to be taken captive. He's going to be beaten, ridiculed, mocked, hung on a cross to die. He knows all of that's coming. Literally, you could say the weight of all of the world is on Jesus' shoulders here. He feels it. He knows it's coming. Okay? Read with me. You can follow along behind or, or in, in your Bibles as well. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and he bowed with his face to the ground praying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, 
I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples, and he found them asleep, and he said to Peter, couldn't you watch even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time, and he prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Can you just feel the the weight and the anguish there? Anguish and distress to the point of death is what Jesus was feeling. So I want to look at what, how did Jesus handle all of that, the weight of the world on his shoulders? And how can, what example can we take from that in our own lives when it comes to stress and anxiety? Let your anxiety be your ping to pray. Let your anxiety be your ping to pray. And when I say ping, what I mean is, is something that tells you, that's like your notification. So we all get pings on our phones, right? You get a ping saying you have a new text message. You get a ping saying you have, uh, the weather is going to be terrible coming up. You get a ping saying there's a new house on the market by you. You get a ping saying your Clash of Clans village got raided. Right? We get lots of pings that cause us to do something. It causes us to look and say, oh, I got a message. What's it telling me? Uh, oh, there's a new house on the market. I'm going to look at this. Oh, a new email. We get pings that tell us to do something. Let our anxiety, when you start to feel that weight on your shoulders, you start to feel where just you're irritated, you're stressed. Let that be our ping to say, I need to go before God. And I think that's Jesus, one of Jesus' examples for us is that And I love how Jesus did this. This is kind of a side note. Jesus took a few close disciples with him, didn't he? So Jesus took a few close friends with him in this time where he shared with to them. He said, I'm anguished and I'm distressed. My soul is crushed with grief. This is Jesus talking to his close friends at that time. I think that's important for us too. That in our anxiety... It's okay to take some close friends. Pat talked about friendship last week, to have friends that we're willingly open in sharing what we're going through in our hearts and in our lives. Some of our tendency is to not take friends in this. Some of our tendency is to say, I'm just bottling this up inside, I'm stuffing it down, and I'm not talking about this. Jesus took friends. Some of our tendency is to take friends and just dump and dump and dump and dump and dump all of our anxiety and stress and troubles on our friends because it helps kind of take some weight off our shoulders and we feel better about it. I think Jesus' example here was really great and he took friends along, he was open with them, but then he took the next step of separating himself from his friends and going before God and just pouring out his heart to God. And I love how Jesus did this. If we look at how Jesus prayed when the weight of the world was on his shoulders, what was the first thing he prayed? He said, Lord, God, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering pass me. In other words, God, if it's possible, don't make me go through what I'm about ready to have to go through of going on the cross, of having the sin, all of our sin and weight from past, present, and future on my shoulders and having to be separated from God. Horrible. If it's possible, God, take this from me. Jesus invites us to ask him to take these stresses and anxieties from us. 
Lord, please heal me or please heal my family member. You can intervene. Lord, please work in this stressful work situation. Lord, please help in this family relationship. I just don't know how to mend this relationship. God, please intervene. Change their heart. Change my heart. It's okay to ask God, cry out to God to intervene for us. It's what Jesus did. But I also think the next part of Jesus' prayer, it's the hardest and maybe the most important where Jesus surrendered to God, right? He said, and yet, if this can't be removed, God, your will be done. I surrender to your will for my life. When we're in the midst of something really, really hard and we feel all the weight on our shoulders and it's just terrible trial, that is such a hard spot to be where we say, God, I surrender to your will in my life. How do we do that? How can we trust God enough to say that? Of God, I surrender to you. I think we need to focus on a couple of things. This is my second point. We need to focus on God's promises to us and also God's faithfulness in our lives. Oftentimes, we can focus on whatever's going on, this huge trial or stress in our life. Our eyes are fixed on that and the fear of that and thinking about all the terrible things that could happen from this situation, and our mind can be spinning and going down a road of of all the bad things that can happen. And what we need to do is focus on God's promises and his faithfulness to us. Like, here's a few promises. Hebrews 13.5. This is for each one of us. I will never leave you or forsake you. Even if we can feel like we're alone in a situation, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Romans 8.38. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love. Not what we've done, Nothing can separate us from God's love. Romans 8, 28. God is going to work all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. God can work whatever situation we're in for good. Even when we're in the middle of it, it may be really hard to see that, but God can work it out for good. And he won't leave us. We need to focus on those promises when we're in the midst of stress and anxiety. And then remember What has God done in our lives? Where has God intervened in our lives where he's been there for us? I think about a story in my own life that happened about 10 years ago. And this is when Terry and I, we had three kids. Uh, We wanted to have four kids. It was kind of our goal all along. And we had been trying to get pregnant for about two years. And uh, it was quite a while. We had gone in and did some testing, and they said, you maybe have secondary infertility, and you may not get pregnant again. And um, so we were dealing with that. And Terry, one night, one night she all of a sudden had a bunch of lower abdominal pain, and she ended up kind of in a fetal position, lying on the bathroom floor for about an hour. And after about an hour, it seemed to pass, and so she came back to bed. About a week later, we found out that we were expecting. She said, I'm pregnant. 
And so there was joy with that, but there was also, in my mind in healthcare, I was like, that was not normal a week ago, knowing that she's pregnant now. And so I said, I think we should go in and get things checked and just make sure everything's okay. And we went in, and they did an ultrasound, and the ultrasound showed that there was no baby in the uterus. And based on how high her hormone levels were and stuff, they said, it's a 97% chance that this is an ectopic pregnancy, which is a pregnancy that's in the fallopian tubes, which is not a viable pregnancy. So they offered a medication that would terminate the pregnancy at that time, and uh, they said, if you wait a week, in a week from now, if it's not in the uterus, we would know with certainty that this is an ectopic pregnancy. And so we said, that's what we're going to do. And it was really low risk to have a problem during that week. And so we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to wait this week. And I remember going home and just crying out to the Lord, kind of how Jesus did here, saying, God, I know you can do it. Please move this baby into the uterus. And just crying out to God for that. And that week, uh, it was a Friday. I had never in 10 years of work in this job, been home on a Friday and had a vacation at home. I had a really challenging work situation where I couldn't take Fridays off, asking a favor for somebody to come in. Well, this Friday I was supposed to be helping kind of at an outside facility, another doctor learning our computer system. And his dad happened to pass away the day before when I was supposed to be there. So he traveled across the country and he wasn't going to be there the next day. I didn't have patients back at my clinic that day, so I was off on a Friday at home, first time in 10 years. And I was out mowing lawn, and one of the boys came running out to me. I was out on the tractor and came running out and said, Mom needs your help. Mom needs your help. And I got down, and I came in, and Terry was lying on the floor of the front entryway. And um, she said, I had that lower pain again, but it's, it's gone now. And if you could just help me to the bedroom, I'll just lie down and rest. Uh, the pain's gone. And I told the kids, I said, get in the Suburban. I picked her up, carried her into the Suburban. We drove 100 miles an hour into town and called ahead and had an ultrasound rate waiting. And it confirmed that she had ruptured uh, her ectopic pregnancy and was bleeding internally. And so what happens, as some of you may know, with ectopic pregnancies and rupture, is you bleed internally until you pass out, your blood count's so low, and then you just die as you're lying there because you don't know it, because you're bleeding internally. If I wasn't home that Friday, my trajectory of my life would have changed. God was faithful. It's hard at times when I'm in stress. Now, this is 10 years ago. As I'm going through things now that are anxiety and stress-related, it's really hard to remember back of God's faithfulness in our lives. And yet it's so important to remember. That's why throughout the Old Testament, God is telling the Israelites all the time, build, build a rock something to remember what I did, that you crossed the sea, that I spread the waters. You know, remember, remember. We need to remember God's faithfulness in our lives as well. So when we're going through these really hard times, we remember, God is with me and these promises. God is with me. He's not going to leave me. He cares for me. Maybe some of you, you can't think of that time. Maybe you don't resonate with that story. You can't think of something in your own life where your eyes haven't been open to how God has intervened in your life. How do we know that Jesus is there for us? How do we know 
that he cares for. Like that First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxieties on me because, you, because he cares for you. How do we know that? The cross, right? It can always come back to the cross that Jesus loved you and loves me so much that he was willing to come down to this earth to go through what we just read about, anguish and distress, be separated from God for us because he loves us. The battle with our anxiety starts with our relationship with Jesus. That's where it all starts. If all we had, if all I had was social media, the news, what our culture and society, all the stuff that we're taking in, I would just be an anxious mess all of the time. Through a relationship with Christ, we're called to. What's in our control, what's not? If it's outside of our control, we're called to say, Jesus, he cares for us so much that he invites us to take. You don't have to carry that burden. You don't have to carry that weight. I'm willing to carry that. And we have somebody. We have God who loves us so much, who won't leave us, will walk through us with it all, who says, trust me. You can take off this burden, this stress, this anxiety, and you can trust me. I'm willing to take it, and I'm willing to walk through it with you. Worship team, you can come on up. In closing, we're going to close with a song called Battle Belongs. And uh, when Trista was picking out songs, she sent this one to me, and I just said that this is just, I think this is perfect for this topic. A couple of the phrases that are in this song are, there's nothing to fear now because I'm safe with you. All my fears I lay down at your feet. If you are for me, who, who can be against me? And the chorus is when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. Which that's where we need to be. We need to take Jesus' example of when we're dealing with this to say, I can't do this on my own with a spirit of humility of saying, God, I invite you into my anxiety, into my stress, and I choose to say, I give it to you. Let's pray together, and the worship team will lead us. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that, that you desire for us to have a life that's full of your spirit, full of joy and full of peace, Lord. Thank you that you promise us that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. Thank you for your love that is so deep and so wide that we can't understand for each one of us, Lord. Thank you that you came and you showed us that love with action of coming and spilling your blood to cover our sins that we can be with you forever. Lord, I pray for us, even as we worship now, Lord, 
I pray that we'd be able to put our focus on you and your promises and whatever weight. I know there's many in here that feel all kinds of weight and stress and anxiety. Lord, I pray that we would be able to take that off, the burden off of our shoulders to say, God, I trust you, that you are a good and loving God and give it to you. Lord, help show us how we can do that. In Jesus' name.